We're going to be talking today about playing hard to get. Is it a good idea? Does it actually work? Can women do it to men just as easily as men can do it to women and vice versa? Does it work in LGBTQ? Is it something you should even consider in a long-term relationship? Everything you ever wanted to know about playing hard to get is going to be discussed right here, right now. You're listening to the Relationship Revival Podcast with John DeBach, also known as Mr. Spirituality. That's me. I'm your host giving you insights and guidance from over 10 years in the field of this amazing journey we call romance. On this show, I go over everything you need to know about how to get into a relationship, how to get the most out of a relationship, and sometimes even how to gracefully end a relationship without pulling your hair out and going crazy. And occasionally, I'm even joined by new and old friends who are also relationship experts to bring you guidance and wisdom with new perspectives. Thanks for stopping by. Playing hard to get, hard to get, hard to get. I remember being a teenager and being told by the suave, handsome guy in my high school, you just got to play cool, play it cool. Just make it, make it like you don't even care about them. Play hard to get, man. Like they can't even get you. It didn't work at all. It didn't work for me even a tiny little bit. Now, this is a little confusing because I know a lot of you listening, a lot of you kind of engaged in this in your own mind or thinking or stuff, but I've seen it work. And the truth is playing hard to get definitely works. It definitely works, but not for the exact reason you think it works. There's a psychology behind it. And the most dangerous thing about playing hard to get is the reason it works is not the reason that the people who use it as a manipulative tactic think it works. It's a total, it's totally different what's actually happening. So before we get into it, let's talk about when playing hard to get will not work. Because it's important to know that there needs to be some prerequisites to this uh for it to work at all okay and and i i promise we're going to get into how this uh, this affects people in a romantic relationship because it's really really important if you're in a long-term relationship or in a marriage that you understand this and I, and this comes up a lot in couples counseling with me so i want to be totally clear about it but we'll get to that in a second first we have to kind of go in order so the first thing is when will this not work so in order for playing hard to get to work there has to be some attraction there to begin with. Now, men do have, and I, again, whenever I say men and women on, when I'm talking about anything when it comes to romantic relationships, I'm talking about the stereotypical, you know, the cisgender kind of model. This works the same way if you're just talking about masculine and feminine energies. But men do have an, an advantage here in that a man who is not as physically attractive can still kind of turn a woman's opinion around uh but playing hard to get is not the way to do it so uh so if there's no attraction there to begin with physically then there has to be attraction there on another level either using a sense of humor or a social status some people are attracted to people who are a little higher class than them or there has to be some kind of talent or quality to spark some kind of attraction Okay. It won't work if the person doesn't know you exist. So there has to be a little spark of an attraction for this to work, even in the dating scene. Now, 
it's not that hard to get that attention. If you're a guy at a bar, for example, and you buy a nice lady a drink and you smile and you don't wave all goofy, you just smile and kind of raise your glass and then turn your back and, or not turn your back, but just kind of ignore them. That's a version of playing hard to get. And that's really as easy as it gets. It really is. It's like, who's this suave guy that bought me a drink and then didn't even like walk over and try and hit on me? He just kind of walked. That's, that's all it takes. Another, another example, if I'll stick with the bar to make it simple. If you're at a bar and a woman's having a really hard time getting the bartender's attention, if you say, hey, and you get her attention, you get the bartender's attention for the woman, you've then done something cool that the, and solved a problem for them that they were actually having. And if you don't rub it in their face and you just go and you just kind of walk away, that playing hard to get thing is there. The... A great example of this, by the way, is in Goodwill Hunting. So if you, if you haven't seen the movie or you haven't seen it in a while, there's a scene where Matt Damon's character, uh, hits on, I forget who plays the, I think it's Mimi something. Ugh, I, I apologize, but he's, he want, he's really interested in this girl at the bar. She doesn't know who he is. She's being bothered by these kind of elitist snobs. And Matt Damon walks over. And just puts the snobs in their place, but he doesn't hit on her. He doesn't then pull up a chair and try and chat her up. He walks back to his Boston buddies and drinks another beer with his friends. And she's really attracted to him because she's, he's now solved the problem getting these elitist snobs off her back. And he doesn't become one of these guys who is too aggressive. And so she kind of chases after him, but only at the very end of the night. It's a very cute scene. If you haven't seen it in a while, I recommend seeing it. But really, that's that's as simple as it gets. But again, you need to spark that. The person needs to know you exist. So if you're a slovenly, you know, kind of person or you've just had a bad shower, you know, like you haven't showered in a while, you went on a hike, you stink, you know, it's not the best time to try and play hard to get. And if you're friends with someone if you're already in the friend zone guess what playing hard to get's not going to work so there has to be a little bit of curiosity for this to even work at all now in a long-term relationship there's clearly attraction because you're already in a relationship so a lot of people mistake this as a good tactic to use in a marriage or in a long-term relationship and i'm going to get into that so let's talk about why playing hard to get works on a psychological level and compare that to why people think it works. So the reason people think playing hard to get works, generally speaking, is because they assume that people are attracted to what they can't have. And that's wrong. I mean, I hate, I hate being as bold as that sometimes, but it's just plain old wrong. Let's say, let's compare it to something of a physical uh, an, an object of desire. Let's say you're really into luxury cars and you really want a Maserati. Just because you want the Maserati and you can't have it doesn't mean that you want it more. It just means that you like the car. Maybe you've been sucked into the brand recognition of a Maserati or a Lamborghini, you know, Ferrari, whatever it is. But if you can't have it, that doesn't really fuel you to go chase after it. I mean, how many people in the world do you know would love a luxury car, yet they, they don't really do anything about it? Almost everybody, right? And, and even if you talk to people who start businesses and are very successful, 
uh, at making money. The car is like a cool thing, but that's not what's driving them. I have never met anybody who's been driven completely by buying a luxury car. Usually it's an entire lifestyle or bettering your situation for yourself and your family. There's much more to it than that. So simply having an object of desire that you can't obtain doesn't drive people to go get it unless it really has deep meaning right? And that's not what's going on with playing hard to get. And a lot of people think that's what it is. It's like, well, this person likes me, whether they're male or female or whatever, and I'm going to act like they can't even have me. And so they're going to want me more. That's not the way it works. The reason playing hard to get works and what's really going on psychologically is that you're showing not a disinterest in the person. You're not being a jerk. You're not being callous or cold. But what you're doing is you're showing that your life is full of joy and whether they come into the relationship or not with you, you still have a good life. So you're not being needy. You're not being needy and you're not being hungry. You're simply portraying someone who is internally happy. The greatest and most attractive feature that someone can have in any relationship on earth, be it business, social, familial, romantic, the greatest quality is happiness. It's the most attractive thing in a person. People say, no, you're wrong. It's confidence. Hello. Confidence comes from a place of joy. If you're happy, then you're confident because you want for nothing. I know this is very Zen and Buddhist, but if you, you know, if you want nothing and you experience joy, then your confidence in where you are in the world is always going to be good. So when you are playing hard to get, when you're playing quote unquote hard to get, what you're really, if you're doing it well, you're doing something cool to spark the interest, or you're looking very good in your suit or your dress or whatever, but you're not chasing after the person you're just getting their attention and then moving away to your friends or your task at hand or whatever it is because you have a life that's meaningful and full of joy and you're smiling and you're laughing that's why a lot of people when they're playing this play hard to get game they'll go up to their friends and say say something and i'll pretend it's really funny and they start laughing <laughs> even if the person hasn't said a joke at all because they want to portray this life of joy. And that's what's attractive. When someone looks at you and says, that's a happy person. And it happens on a subconscious level. This isn't going on in their mind consciously, right? They're just absorbing the vision of you being a happy person. And they're thinking to myself, I'd like to be part of that life. That's what you say when you want to be in a relationship, whether it's conscious or unconscious. That's what's really going on. Obviously, there's a sexual chemistry. There's a sexual attraction in most cases. But beyond that, beyond that, because everybody knows sex isn't the whole relationship. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny little fraction of it. Even if you have sex every day, there's still 23 hours, 23 and a half hours, depends how long you go, but there's still tons of time left in a day every single day without the sex. So there's something more to the relationship. And that is how happy how happy will I be with this person? And the greatest indication of how happy you could be with someone is how happy are they on their own? That's really what it is. That's really what's going on. So 
there's a there's a very fine line. There's a very fine line, and this is where most teenage men and women get it wrong. There's a fine line between playing hard to get and I'm too good for you. If you're playing hard to get, again, let's go over the formula. You're sparking attraction. You're sparking curiosity. You're sparking fun. And then you're walking away and you're portraying the vision of a person who's happy with or without them. But you're not insulting and you're not saying things like, oh, I'm, you know, I got so many dates. I don't know if I have time for you. That's just rude. It's just, it's rude. It makes you sound callous, you know? So that's not the way to play it if you're going to play it. The real thing is, should you play hard to get at all? That's the real question. And the, and the answer is not really. It's, it's manipulative. It's uh it's a it's kind of a bad habit to get into. It can be extremely effective and so you can get used to it very quickly in which case you're making a synthetic start to a relationship that is just going to cause a lot of heartbreak for yourself later on when they realize hey this person doesn't really have it together. The real thing to do is to develop that happiness and joy and meaning and filled life, that full life of friendship and and creativity or whatever makes you have that kind of joy and stability, make that for real. Then you're not playing hard to get. You actually are hard to get. Think about it. If you have a life that's full of friends and you're satisfied in your job and you have creativity and you have entertainment and you have wonderful relationships, then you are hard to get. Because if you are, you know, for someone to invite themselves or for you to invite them into your world, they have to contribute something. If you have a full life where you're truly happy, then you're not going to just go on a million dates with random people searching for happiness. You already have happiness. Then your relationships are about how can I get deeper? How can I share this with somebody? And developing that sense of self-joy and self-love and happiness that comes internally, that choice that you have. Because that's what really happiness, and we'll go, I'll go over this in other podcasts, but happiness is a choice. And if you learn to choose the joyful perspective of every part of your life and you can bring that to the table, then what do you need a headache of a relationship for? You don't. And people sense that. It's the same thing with business. I sometimes, you know, looking at the business world in comparison to the romantic world is useful because the emotions are taken out of it. So that's the only reason I do it. So let's take a look. If someone is a successful business owner, okay, and they're making lots of money and they have a big audience of customers and whatever it is, they're just a successful business owner. And here you come along and you want to have a relationship with them because you have a product or a service that you want them to use or you want to partner with them on, what do they need you for, right? They're already successful. It's the same thing when you have a happy person. Relationships are relationships. There has to be something you're bringing to the table. Avoid your filling and enhancements you're making. And so just like you would approach that businessman showing how great you are, you would approach someone who's happy showing how great you are. You're not playing hard to get. You're literally hard to get. You actually are. Now, playing hard to get in a romantic relationship that's long-term or a marriage does happen, but it happens in a very interesting way. And I get this when I'm with uh, couples in my private practice in a, in a different 
it, it comes up in a very unique uh, p- position. And usually when it happens, it's it's usually, at least in my anecdotally in my own experience, it's usually a guy who's been used to playing hard to get when he was dating. And now he's been in this relationship for a long time or he's divorced and starting to get into a relationship for a long time. And the old habit of being manipulative and and playing that hard to get card when he's not truly just happy and stable inside, but playing that to kind of portray that starts rearing its head again and being used as a tactic in the relationship. And that's dangerous. Okay. That's dangerous because it, for two reasons. One, it's dishonest and manipulative and you shouldn't want to manipulate a partner. You shouldn't want to manipulate anybody, but in a long-term relationship, if you have a desire to manipulate your partner, uh, you're not in a healthy relationship. And I, and listen, most married people, myself included, it's at one point in your marriage or not, you're going to say, how can I just manipulate my damn wife to do what I want her to do? You know, that it's, it's a normal thought. You have to learn to brush that aside. It's not healthy. Okay. Um, but in a, in, in a dating relationship, it's a little, you can kind of forgive yourself a little bit more because you're not thinking of the person long term. It's not appropriate, but I understand at least where the, where the kind of the traction is on that thought process. In a long term relationship, it doesn't work and it works less and less because the person will start seeing through the facade. So the real thing again to do is to actually just be happy, be stable. I mean, that's really the, if you could find joy in yourself, whoever your partner is, even if you're on the verge of divorce, they're going to start noticing, like, why are you suddenly happier? And it might take a few weeks, it might take a few months, but it does not go unnoticed. Not when you're living with someone and not when you're with them for a long time. They start noticing when you emit joy, when you emit happiness, they really start to see it. So I see this all, I see that the attempt to do it in relationships when the couple starts to deal with friction, right? Their relationship is going through a rough patch and the guy starts telling me in session, usually when we're alone or when the, the wife is, when, when it gets to like a really tense part uh, of a, of a counseling session, he says, well, maybe I'm being too good to her. You'll hear it in those terms. I'm being too good. Maybe I've, maybe I've spoiled her. It's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. I've, I've never seen anyone who's so spoiled in a relationship that they just walk all over the person, right? If you've spoiled someone that much, then really it's an indication that you're so insecure you haven't set proper boundaries. So if you're a truly happy person, setting boundaries is easy, right? Because you know what brings you joy. And if someone tries to cross that boundary, like let's say just for an example, Let's say you are an artist and every Sunday you put a piece of that Sunday aside to paint. If the person comes into your life in the relationship and says, Hey, I, you know, you really got to stop painting and you say, okay, that's, that's a sign that you don't have strong boundaries. You might say, whoa, 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 this is important to me. And if you want to be with me, you'll understand that this is part of who I am. I don't mind skipping one session here and there if there's an important event, but I'm not going to give up painting. That's what a healthy, happy person sounds like. So when I hear people saying, well, I'm too good to her, or maybe I should, maybe I should not be as nice. Guess what? If the, if the relationship is already pulling apart and you become 
essentially a jerk because you think you're playing hard to get, it's just going to speed up the process of you breaking up as a couple. That's the only thing that's going to get accomplished. Now, you might get this confused in one specific situation. So it's very off, very often when couples are going through a rough patch to the point where they actually separate and they live apart after living together for a long time. When one of the partners decides to date again, it's very common for the other person to get jealous and to realize, Hey, I might actually lose this person and to, to kind of come crawling back. That happens more often than not, especially if it was a long-term relationship where there was a lot of passion. That is not playing hard to get. What's happening in that instance is the, the flood of memories and the realization someone has of real irreversible change, which is painful. Change to humans is painful starts becoming a reality and that fear takes hold of them. That's different than playing hard to get. It's very, very different. But a lot of people do mistake the two, so I thought it was worth mentioning. So playing hard to get, just as a wrap-up, whether you're dating or in a long-term relationship, is not a healthy way to approach romance. It's manipulative. And the reason it's manipulative is because you're portraying something you're really not. The better thing to do is to learn to find the joy on your own. Anyone who comes into into my counseling world, right? The classic way therapist works is they meet you where you are. That's the classic terminology. I don't do that. I'll listen to where you are, but I invite you to where I want you to be, right? As a coach, my job is to hopefully speed the process up and talk about forward movement. And the, one of the first things I talk about is you need to learn to find joy from outside of a human relationship. If you are reliant on a person for love, support, generosity, happiness, you are going to be faced with utter and miserable disappointment because people are human and they screw up. You have to find a source internally or with God or the universe or some spiritual entity that brings you joy that won't let you down. And when you can hold on to that and you can truly have joy in your heart on a day-to-day basis that no one can take away from you, then you really are hard to get. And the people who come into your life are going to be amazing because they'll recognize that. If you're struggling in your relationship or you feel like you need a little bit of hand-holding to understand how to go from having a bad or even a so-so relationship to the one of your dreams, then I would love to speak with you. Head over to my website, mrspirituality.com. That's mrspirituality.com. And you'll find a big button there or a phone number. Just click or call and let's set up a free 20-minute consultation with you where you could speak to me or someone from our team one-on-one just you and us for 20 minutes where we can kind of guide you and show you how we can transform you into a relationship expert yourself. Again, it's a completely free consultation. Just head over to mrspirituality.com. Again, that's mrspirituality.com and click or call and we'll set something up for you right away.